At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, a quick note. This is the final episode in the spring season of The Disappearing Spoon. I'll be back again in the fall with more great stories. If you're craving additional material before then, check out the bonus episodes at patreon.com slash disappearingspoon. You should also check out the fantastic Distillations podcast through the Science History Institute. In the meantime, enjoy the summer, and I'll see you again soon. They could not have asked for a better morning. June 15, 1878, dawned bright and clear, a sparkling day. A crowd had gathered at a racetrack in Palo Alto, California, land that would later become Stanford University. In fact, the university's namesake, Leland Stanford, was the reason everyone was there. Stanford had made his fortune as a railroad magnate, then served as governor of California. But his true passion was horses. And he'd gathered the crowd that day to settle a long-standing debate among horse fanciers. When horses gallop, do all four hooves ever leave the ground at once? This was a contentious question, fodder for endless arguments at bars and racetracks, among biologists and degenerate gamblers alike. Stanford insisted, yes, that all four hooves do leave the ground, however fleetingly. Unfortunately, the human eye cannot work fast enough to follow a horse's churning legs. So after years of futile speculation, Stanford had hired a photographer to determine the answer. Ostensibly, the crowd had gathered that June morning to see whether Stanford was right. But if truth be told, many in the crowd were just as eager to see the photographer himself. Edward Moybridge had an international reputation for taking beautiful pictures. He was also a technical wizard, and later a pioneer of the motion picture technology that would make Hollywood possible. Strangely, though, Moybridge's talents had emerged only after suffering a major brain injury as a young man. He was something of a neurological freak. There was also the small matter of a recent court case involving Moybridge. Because however famous for his photography, 
Most people then knew Muybridge best of all for one thing, being a cold-blooded murderer. From the Science History Institute, this is Sam Keen and the Disappearing Spoon, a topsy-turvy, sciencey history podcast, where footnotes become the real story. At the height of his fame, Edward Moybridge looked scruffy and bohemian with a big white beard. Someone once described him as Walt Whitman ready to play King Lear. Before his bohemian phase, however, Moybridge had had a respectable career. He was born in England in 1830 and emigrated to the United States at age 22. He opened a bookshop in San Francisco. But that nice, respectable life crumbled in 1860. That year, Moybridge decided to return to England to hunt for some rare books. Unfortunately, he missed the steamship out of San Francisco. So he decided to take a stagecoach to St. Louis instead and sail from there. He never made it. Somewhere in northeast Texas, the driver lost control of the horses on a steep downward slope. Second later, the brakes failed, and the stagecoach began careening out of control. Seatbelts, of course, did not exist back then, and the coach crashed headlong into a tree. One passenger died instantly. Moybridge was thrown clear, but he landed headfirst on a boulder and split his skull open. He spent nine days in a coma and woke up 150 miles distant in an Arkansas hospital. For the next three months, he suffered seizures and agonizing headaches. His hair went stark white. He also had double vision and temporarily lost all sense of hearing, taste, and smell. Nowadays, it seems clear that Moybridge suffered a severe concussion. But more than that, he showed signs of permanent brain damage. Above all, friends noticed a personality shift. Before, he'd been patient, friendly, and good at business. Afterward, he was rash and impulsive and had a volcanic temper. He'd fly into rages over the smallest thing. Reading between the lines here, Moybridge probably suffered damage to his frontal lobes. The frontal lobes are responsible for our so-called executive function in the brain. The frontal lobes help us plan things and reason through things. They also calm us down when we feel emotional. It's always tricky to retro-diagnose someone from the past, but it sure seems likely that Moybridge suffered damage to his executive center. No matter the specifics, Moybridge definitely changed after the accident. He sailed to England and spent the next five years recovering. And here's where his life took a swerve. Photography was a new technology then. Moybridge had seen examples in San Francisco and thought they were... fine. Far less interesting than books. Suddenly, though, in England, he grew fascinated with photography. It became his obsession. And as strange as it sounds, some scientists today have linked his newfound obsession directly to his accident. There's a disorder in neurology called Sudden Savant Syndrome. It occurs when people suffer brain damage and suddenly gain artistic skills. Someone might be struck by lightning and then have an insatiable desire to compose symphonies. Another person might suffer a stroke and spend a dozen hours a day painting portraits. The best guess here is that damage to the frontal lobes releases impulses that are otherwise suppressed inside us. 
When the executive part of the brain no longer functions, the wild artist hidden inside you can run free. It sounds amazing, but there's always a trade-off. People do gain artistic skills, but like Moybridge, they often become impulsive and reckless as well. There's a dark side to sudden savant syndrome. After recovering in England, Moybridge returned to California and established himself as one of the best photographers around. He was especially known for his gorgeous pictures of Yosemite Valley, including some he took while dangling over 2,000-foot precipices. He couldn't help his recklessness. More prosaically, his fame as a photographer led to well-paying gigs shooting people's homes. And that's how, in 1872, Moybridge met Leland Stanford, the railroad tycoon and horse fancier. Again, Stanford was obsessed with a seemingly simple question. When horses run, do all four feet ever leave the ground at once? Stanford insisted that they do, and he proposed that he and Moybridge collaborate to prove this. In response to the proposal, Moybridge scoffed. He told Stanford it was flat-out impossible. You see, photography back then was nothing like the point-and-shoot technology of later times. Most cameras did not even have shutters. People would just put a hat over the lens when the exposure was done. What's more, film was not very sensitive. Even the fastest film then required 15-second exposures. Capturing a horse at mid-gallop would require exposures of a few tenths of a second. They might as well try to photograph a speeding bullet. Stanford was determined, however. According to legend, he had a $25,000 bet on the horse question. So he offered Moybridge $2,000, equivalent to almost $50,000 today, to work out the technical details for the camera and film. However skeptical, Moybridge agreed. Unfortunately, this little venture soon hit a bit of a hiccup. Moybridge committed murder. Around the time he met Stanford, Moybridge had married a woman named Flora. She was 21 years younger than him and worked as a technician in his photography studio. At first, they had a nice, happy union. It did not last. As part of his job, Moybridge was constantly traveling, and Flora was getting bored sitting around at home. She did like the theater, though, so Moybridge arranged for a local drama critic named Harry Larkins to escort Flora to the theater a few nights a week. You can probably guess what happened next. While the older, unkempt husband was gallivanting around the country, the suave Larkins swept in and seduced Flora. They began a torrid affair. Flora eventually got pregnant and had a child in 1874, and Moybridge naturally assumed it was his. They named the child Florado, possibly a mashup of Flora and Edward. But two weeks before Halloween, in October 1874, Moybridge came across a letter that Flora had sent to Harry Larkins. She'd included a photograph of Florado. The caption read, in Flora's handwriting, Little Harry. Moybridge went ballistic. He began stamping his feet, howling and screaming. It was a full five-alarm rampage. He might have been furious anyway, even without his brain's damaged executive center. With the damage, there was no hope. He grabbed his six-shooter and went off to find Larkins. 
He finally tracked Big Harry to a ranch eight miles from Napa Valley. When Larkins answered the knock on the door, Moybridge said, This is a message from my wife. Then... The bullet tore through Larkin's heart. He was dead before he hit the ground. The murder caused huge headlines across the West. And why not? A famous bohemian artist had murdered his wife's lover. People could not get enough. Moybridge's only hope was an insanity defense. Friends testified how he'd changed dramatically after his accident, losing all control of his emotions. But when the jury retired to debate the verdict, the death penalty was still very much in play. Have you ever wanted to appreciate books or movies or music from another culture? Do you have a big trip coming up and want to get beyond the tourist spots and immerse yourself in local culture? No matter what the reason, Rosetta Stone is the language program for you. Rosetta Stone has been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Millions have used it. Rosetta Stone knows what works for getting started, remembering what you've learned, and motivating you to stay on track. Plus, the built-in true accent feature gives you live feedback to improve your pronunciation. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. So don't put off learning that language. Start today. For a limited time, Disappearing Spoon listeners get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem 50% off at rosettastone.com today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The trial's outcome might strike us as bizarre today. The jury came back and said, yes, Moybridge had murdered his wife's lover and did so in cold blood. No insanity. But all 12 men agreed that they would have done the same thing. So despite Moybridge being completely guilty, the jury let him go. Sadly, by that point, Flora was dead. She divorced Moybridge after the murder, but did not get much time to enjoy her freedom, as she soon caught typhoid and died. Coldly, Moybridge wanted nothing to do with his son Floredo, and left him to his fate in an orphanage. Instead, Moybridge traveled to Central America on a photography junket to let things cool down. And when he returned to California, Leland Stanford got in touch again. Stanford still wanted to prove his theory about horses' hooves leaving the ground. And with nothing better to do, Moybridge finally agreed to go all in on the project. After a few years of tinkering, and a lot more of Stanford's money, Moybridge eventually solved the two big technical problems— First, he helped develop a chemical for film that was far more light-sensitive. It could therefore capture a clean picture after only a brief exposure. Second, he designed a far faster shutter system. It actually involved two shutters that slid past each other. Each one had a hole in it, 
and when the holes aligned for a split second, you would get a picture. Everything came together that beautiful June morning in 1878. Moybridge set up his equipment in a white shed near the racetrack. It had one open side facing the dirt. Inside the shed were dozens of Moybridge's quick-acting cameras, each several inches apart. On the opposite side of the track hung a long white sheet to make the brown-colored horse stand out. The horse's name was Abe Eddington. Go figure. At Moybridge's signal, old Abe took off, galloping along at 40 feet per second. Harnessed to Abe was a two-wheeled cart. There were 12 electrical wires buried in the racetrack dirt ahead of him. When the cart's wheels crossed each wire, they completed a circuit, causing one of the 12 cameras to fire. Using this setup, Moybridge managed to snap 12 pictures in less than a second. It sounded like a machine gun. Afterward, Moybridge retreated to a dark room to develop the pictures. Leland Stanford paced nervously outside. Given the budget overruns, he had spent $50,000 on the project, $1.2 million today, and twice the size of his original bet. What if the pictures didn't develop? It would all prove a waste of money. Or worse, what if the pictures proved him wrong and embarrassed him? Finally, after 20 minutes, Moybridge emerged from the darkroom. And when he showed Stanford the pictures, the railroad tycoon threw his arms up in triumph. Just as he'd predicted, all four hooves clearly left the ground mid-stride. Horses were not eternally earthbound. However briefly, they do fly. Word about the photographs quickly spread, although the reactions outside Palo Alto were mixed. On the one hand, the public loved the experiment, and Moybridge became world famous. Artists, meanwhile, had a different reaction. Many painters and sculptors, in fact, got downright angry. The spread of photography was already poaching on their territory. Now Moybridge was making them look foolish. As one critic noted, the pictures laid bare all the mistakes that sculptors and painters had made in their renderings of horses. Indeed, compared to Moybridge's photos, their depictions of running horses suddenly looked a little ridiculous. Many of them had painted horses splayed out as if doing a belly flop or other ridiculous things. Now, some artists swallowed their pride and tried to get better. Thomas Aikens and Edgar Degas studied Moybridge's work closely. Other artists, though, took to the offensive. Auguste Rodin, who sculpted The Thinker, was especially mad. Rodin thundered, It is the artist who is truthful, and it is photography which lies. For in reality, time does not stop. It's an interesting point. Time does not actually stop. Then again, Rodin's sculptures and paintings didn't move either. It also sounds a bit like sour grapes. And no matter what, Rodin was fighting rearguard action. Moybridge's photo forever changed the art world. But if artists got upset, biologists were thrilled with Moybridge's work. His horse photos appeared in Scientific American, and they opened up a whole new way to study animal motion. In a wider sense, Moybridge also demonstrates a general truth of how science gets done. We normally think about scientific progress in terms of theoretical breakthroughs, like Einstein or Darwin had. 
But sometimes knowledge advances when scientists simply get new toys. Telescopes were originally military hardware, not for stargazing. Similarly, Muybridge's cameras were meant to settle a bet, but science benefited mightily. And science is still benefiting today. Several research teams in the past decade have used high-speed cameras to resolve a new generation of vexing questions about animal behavior. Call it Muybridge 2.0. I've actually put together a bonus episode about these new research projects at patreon.com slash disappearingspoon. The work has helped scientists understand how dogs and cats eat and drink, among other things. Scientists have also snapped high-speed pictures of pandas, kangaroos, and other animals doing a variety of adorable things. Check it out at patreon.com slash disappearingspoon. Unfortunately, after the triumph at the racetrack, Moybridge and Stanford had a nasty falling out. Like a typical executive, Stanford hogged all the credit for Moybridge's photographs. Stanford even published a book about them where he barely mentioned Moybridge's name. To Stanford, Moybridge was a mere technician. Moybridge had the last laugh, however. He ended up moving to the University of Pennsylvania and diving even deeper into his studies of animal motion. He took tens of thousands of pictures overall, including many of humans in motion. In fact, Moybridge himself appears in several roles, usually stark naked. After his brain damage, he had no shame about exhibiting himself. Eventually, Moybridge realized that he could string these photographs together, and if he flashed them in a quick sequence, they looked continuous, an early motion picture. There was no sound, of course, and as one historian noted, the whole film was over in just seconds, quicker than you could eat a bite of popcorn. But people were nevertheless astounded. Over the next few years, other pioneers built upon Moybridge's work with high-speed cameras to develop true movie cameras. But by then, Moybridge had slowed down. He eventually returned to England and died in 1904. His last great project involved building a replica of the Great Lakes in his backyard. No one knew why. It was just Moybridge being Moybridge. Today, though, Moybridge holds a special place in history. He remains one of those rare people like Leonardo or Albrecht Durer who pioneered both art and science. And it all came about because of a carriage accident that nearly split his head open. I've written books that cover nearly every topic in science, from atomic physics to the fate of the cosmos. But when I hear a story like Edward Moybridge's, I'm reminded that perhaps the biggest mystery in the universe lies right between our own ears. This is the Disappearing Spoon podcast, brought to you by the Science History Institute. Find out more about their library, museum, and multimedia magazine at sciencehistory.org. Make sure you check out the Science History Institute's other awesome podcast, Distillations. You can find their in-depth narrative stories and interviews about everything from space junk to sex, drugs, and migraines anywhere you get your podcast and on their website distillations.org You can find more incredible stories from my books at samkeen.com You can also book me as a speaker at your school or event. If you like this podcast, please support it at patreon.com slash disappearingspoon. It costs as little as 7 cents per day. You can also get bonus episodes and signed books. 
please spread the word to others as well and subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or other places. This episode was written by me, Sam Keen. It was mixed by Jonathan Pfeffer and produced by Mariel Carr, Rigoberto Hernandez, and Padmini Raghunath. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.